Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business. My name is Nasser Pasha. Now Matt Staub, and we're two attorneys here with Pasha Law. That's right. We uh, practice business law throughout the United States. Actually, no, only four states, right? <laughs> California, Illinois, Texas, and New York. I haven't memorized. Depends how you look at it. I mean, it's really technically coast to coast. So, oh, ab- it absolutely is coast to coast. Either way, welcome to our show today. We are covering Airbnb, and this is where we take that business legal news and or I should say business news and add our legal twist. And the legal twist we're adding today is basically Airbnb and it's, I should say more, more specifically, their hosts are being accused of racism. What do you think about that? Oh, I'm, I have the wrong notes. I have, this is Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie. Is that <laughs> must be my other podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that that's afterwards right that's okay in, all right all right very good all right stay tuned for that but yeah okay now i found the i found the right one you found the right one okay good so yeah airbnb off the top i mean let's let me just get through a little bit of what's going on you you know you kind of did a nice little lead in here but let's run through a little bit here so airbnb uh, for those of you who don't know it's an online way to essentially either find a place to stay from anywhere from one night to to more, or you know, if you have your own place, you can do the same thing. You can uh, rent out your place for a night. I mean, I, I don't, have you ever used it before? I've used it internationally, but domestically, same. right? When I and when I say when I say domestically, I mean within a mile of my house. I haven't used it. <laughs> yeah, same same with me. So, like I said, it's it's a pretty nice service, especially for people if you're you know, have a weekend, you're going for a wedding, something like that. Internationally, it's very good as well. I think it's a little bit more, I shouldn't say more accepted, but it seems like it's more prevalent there. It, it, it seems ideal for like, like especially if you want a house or, or something when you're in a big group, that seems like a, a, a good choice. And then right. certain, you're right, certain, certain locations are just, you know, the hotel choices aren't that great or you want a different experience than the rather kind of the routine tourist location. As our assistant put it, it was uh, you. You know, you have a place with a little bit more character. So that's. I think I was that was well put by him. But they have this setup where it's essentially it's a it's a platform for people to to rent their spaces out and also rent spaces. And pretty much, I guess, since the beginning, there's been some talks of of racism that have occurred. And really, what it is is a situation. Let me. I'll kind of boil down how it works. So. You go to, you know, you do your search, you see the site and you see what places are available within the area you've searched. And then you do a request to rent that space if it's open for those days. And then at that point, the owner can, you know, either accept that or reject it or you know, do some sort of back and forth, what have you. I mean, it's not a negotiation per se, but it's just, you know, oh, maybe sorry, this place actually rented up and I, I forgot to mark it. So to that effect. Yeah. And, What's been happening is there's been requests by certain demographics of people that have raised some eyebrows. And let me bring up one example in particular. This is a man, Rohan Gilks. This is on medium.com. It's, I actually checked out the his little story. It's pretty funny. Well, not the racism part, but <laughs> some of the other stuff. We'll, we'll post it. But So what happened with him was he's a black man, wanted to visit a friend in Idaho, and she mentioned there was a great cabin on Airbnb close to her. So he thought, perfect. 
I will look up that space. He found it, you know, requested to stay there for five days. And so, like I said, when that happens, the owner of the place sees his profile and has got his a photo on it, which at that point she could, the owners could see that it was a black male. And so they wrote back saying that, oh, sorry, we're actually planning on coming up that weekend or, or using the space that weekend. It's no longer available. No problem for Rohan, as he wrote back, oh, my schedule is much more flexible. I can do it. And he gave a, a wide range of dates at that point. <laughs> like just, any any day in 2015, I'm available. Yeah. The Michael Scott, I can fly. I can take you up on your offer to fly to wherever that was. <laughs> Florida. Yeah. On, any, on any day. So at that point, it was denied altogether. And he realized that, oh, uh, it's actually not just booked for that weekend. It's booked be, It's booked up quote unquote booked up because I'm a, a black male and I'm being discriminated against. <laughs> well, not quite. It's, it's booked for you, basically. Yeah, like exactly. anyone else could do it. And, and the way that he was able to show that is because he had his friend who was white and attempt to book the exact same date. And he did. And it was approved without any objection. So, of course, it's like, what is the alternative explanation? Did it all of a sudden become available? And then so in its isolation, and this kind of goes to speak what's going on in the country right now. In fact, we just were recording this the day after all those riots in Charlotte and protests in Charlotte. But if it was just an isolated incident, then perhaps there could be some, you know, reasonable explanation, or perhaps it's just, it is just an isolated incident. But then you get these other anecdotal stories from, I guess that's redundant anecdotal stories. You get anecdotes from different people kind of describing their experiences. Similarly, it's like, okay, wait a minute, maybe there's something going on here. And in fact, there was a study done by Harvard Business School in 2015, and they found that Airbnb hosts were 16% less likely to accept fictional guests that have African-American sounding names than guests with so-called, quote, white sounding names, even when the ma- they, they made profiles otherwise identical. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean it's pretty disappointing too. Uh, and you know, it's yeah, if you if you're anti anti racism, that's true. Yeah, and so we have, like you said, you have this study from from Harvard Business School. Rohan isn't the only person that this has happened to. There's another one. There's actually the class ac- a class action suit that we'll get into a little bit more. But it seems to be an ongoing thing all all throughout the country, in that you know if you're black, it's being discriminated against in terms of, well, I should, I should use the word discriminated against loosely because that's another issue too, is whether, you know, this is a, from a legal perspective, yeah, discrimination. I think from a social perspective, yeah, definitely. But from a legal perspective, whether it's discrimination. You're right. And, and so if you were to ask the uh, most people on the street, non-attorneys, or frankly, even attorneys, and you ask them, is it legal for an Airbnb host to discriminate who they accept in their home based upon the color of their skin. And most people are going to say the answer is no. They, they, it is a, it, or I should say the answer, the answer is that it is illegal. But the actual answer is that it's probably legal. And I, and I only say probably in there just to cover myself just because who knows. Of course, everyone's very familiar. The Civil Rights Act of 1964, it, it is a huge legislation that changed the country and it came at a time where there was tremendous amount of change, and, and of course, it's the civil rights movement. And, and with this law, it prohibited discrimination based upon color, race, religion, things, and, and different things of that nature. 
actually race, color, religion, and national origin. And in there, it gave some exceptions. And the exceptions were, or I should say where it applied to is only places of public accommodation. And it specified within the law what are places of public accommodation. And so think about restaurants, uh, hotels, theaters, or any businesses whose operates affect interstate commerce. Now, here's the deal. There's an exception to it. I don't know if you, you know about this, Matt, but this exception was called Mrs. Murphy's exception. No. And the, did you hear about that or no? No, I didn't know. So it's interesting. So the reason it's called Mrs. Murphy's exception, so even before 1964, this 19, Civil Rights Act of 1964 was passed, this some senator or whatever debating in, in Congress was talking about, you know, giving an exception to, okay, the Hiltons of the world, they have, you know, of course, it's a public accommodation. You have a lot of hotel rooms. But what about the Murphy, Mrs. Murphy's of the world who have a home, they have, you know, three or four bedrooms, and they want to rent out rooms as like a, you know, bed and breakfast or so forth. They shouldn't be restricted by this particular type of law. And so, and that's what they put in. It, it, it basically, if you're an established located within a building which contains not more than five rooms for rent or higher, and which is actually occupied by the proprietor of such establishment as his resident, his or her residence, then this Civil Rights Act of 1964 does not apply. Was that an and or an or? And. Okay. So they have to, it's, it's five rooms or less and which is actually occupied by the proprietor. I mean, so that's what makes this situation peculiar. So I don't think, I think if I had to guess, most of the time, the, the spaces that are going to be rented out and going to be less than five rooms. I mean, at least in my experience looking, a lot of them have been studios or lofts or, or pretty small places. And I think even if it's like more than five rooms, technically, if you're renting out the whole entire house, well, anyway, I don't think we want to get into the nuances of it. But <laughs> Yeah, I sidestepped that issue and then you tried to, to bring yeah. it back to, <laughs> that's for our supplemental podcast, the addendum to this, to Legally Sound. So yeah, and then we come to the issue of whether the, the person lives on the property. I mean, so there's a difference, obviously, between a rental, a strictly rental, or, you know, I know people that use Airbnb here in San Diego, and it's a situation where they live there most of the time, but then they aren't there. Let's say they leave somewhere for a week, and they put their space up on Airbnb. I mean, it's it's obviously something that was not thought of in 19, when this when this law was created. And it, of course, is like a lot of the sharing community laws, this hasn't been adapted to to fit this sharing community. And and, and the thing is, let's assume for a moment, because I, I don't necessarily agree that Mrs. Murphy's exception should apply, but just understand what the argument is behind is that there's, you have to, the, the constitutional protection of, you know, the equal protection also, also has to be balanced between your First Amendment rights. And the idea is that, this is the argument, is that the First Amendment also provides your right to associate with whom you wish, but also not to associate. So the, the idea is that, okay, if you're, if you're not really in the business of renting out rooms, this is just kind of your residence, then you should be able to choose, in theory, who you rent your room to. But I don't know. I think everyone kind of understands that there's there's still something wrong with that. Even if even if it is just your house and you want to choose who you run out to, but shouldn't it be illegal if it's because of race? I mean, I understand if it's for some other reason, but you know, because I don't know, they're maybe they're college kids, and I don't know. Well, yeah, or if it's 
Well, that's that's age, but that's age. <laughs> yeah, but no, but still, but that way you, you usually can't discriminate against older people. But if it's something based on bad re- previous bad reviews, yeah, I mean, precisely, that's, that's right. yeah, they leave the leave the place a mess or or what have you. So here, in, in the, like you said, in the sharing economy now, all of a sudden it's a little bit different where we're not talking about just one host. We're talking about a whole network of hosts. And how that how does Airbnb come into play and what have they have what they have done is pretty interesting. Yeah, and that's the point I was just going to make is you know, we keep talking, we keep throwing around the word discrimination, whether it applies or not under Title II of the Civil Rights Act, but that's strictly the well, I mean not strictly, but what we're talking about is the actual host, the person that owns the property. Airbnb as I mentioned before, is it's really just a platform. I mean, they don't, right. I don't, I believe they don't even have any, I mean, there's no way they can screen every single potential transaction that might occur and determine whether there's discrimination or, although they will get into what they're trying to do and they're trying to do more of that, but it's, it's not something where everything has to be run through them every time somebody wants to rent a place. That's right. And so they've, they've, what they've done, whether the, well, let me step back one second. I mentioned the class action lawsuit earlier as well. Oh, yeah, I wasn't aware of that. What's going on there? So this class action lawsuit that was filed against Airbnb back in May of this year, you know, it's, it's alleging similar things we'll be discussing, but under the Civil Rights Act in 1964 and also 1981 and then the Fair Housing Act, all, all kind of boiling down to this alleged discrimination that's been going on against people of a certain race even though like we kind of just said like there's an exception to this act and so forth but it's definitely worth a try and and in the sense that this area of law there are some nuances to it especially what is considered a public accommodation there have been exceptions made in law and and the civil rights act of 1964 isn't the only piece of legislation that may have protections here against this kind of discrimination. So, and I think even you even mentioned the Fair Employment and Housing Act as well, and that may have some implications as, you know, so I, I like to see this go forward, but because it looks like this this representative person that filed, it's the exact same story that we read with Rohan Gilks as he, or Gilks or Gilks, Gikes, or I'm sorry. Gilks. Yeah, Rohan Gilks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I, but here's the thing, I, I'm not sure we'll, we'll get too much out of it. So the response by Airbnb was it updated its terms of service requiring people if they want to use a site from there on out, waiving their rights to a class action lawsuit and joined her amongst other joining parties, amongst other things, basically trying to kick out this possibility of this sort of lawsuit moving forward. Because I think to me, the reason behind this is in order to show discrimination I, and you have to show some sort of pattern that's going on, it's, I think it's a lot easier to show this pattern of discriminating acts with a group of people than it is just one person. Of course, yeah. And and it's it would be hard to show culpability from Airbnb as well, as we've already discussed, as far as their responsibility. And so it looks like Airbnb is kind of uh, opposing this uh, lawsuit from a procedural perspective, which is, I think, fine. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, it seems like Airbnb there, regardless of whether they're le- legally responsible, they seem to be taking the moral responsibility as well by making some serious changes to how they operate their business. Yeah, exactly. So out, outside of the courtroom, it's really being proactive about you know these sort of issues that have been raised to the forefront. And it's all about this community commitment that it's trying to implement. And there's all these different components to it. And we'll touch on some of these, but really it's, you know, it, it's stepping up and trying to obviously stop the 
uh, discrimination that's going on amongst the the users of Airbnb, but it's it's faced with the problem. And I think with this is how we're going to apply to other businesses is, you know, how exactly do you go about this issue when it's not even, you know, you or your employees that are the ones that are doing this these discriminating acts, but you still want it to make it seem or, you know, fix the problem so that the consumers don't, you know, blame you or, you know, stop using you as a service. Sure. And and unfortunately, most people, less people listening to this podcast aren't going to know the, some of the efforts that Airbnb are making, but I think it's worth mentioning. For example, in June, the company started working with a person named Laura Murphy. Now, she is the former head of the ACLU's DC office. And as you may or may not know, ACLU is, is an av- legal advocate for minorities and and any kind of discrimination of these sorts, among other things as well. I'm just kind of summarizing it there. And even within Laura Murphy's 32-page report, even though she had even admitted that she was skeptical that even if Airbnb makes certain changes, they're not going to be able to overcome this widespread bias that may occur just in the nature of what's going on with our country. And but they but they did make they are making some changes for so for example they made the images of the profile pictures smaller, right? Yeah, I mean, that was one thing. But let me just put this in perspective really quick on how difficult this is. And I think this is one of our reasons for concern. Airbnb, at last, last numbers I saw, over 60 million users worldwide, 650,000 people hosting with a total of 2 million listings. I mean, that's obviously they're not going to be able to oversee all of that. It's, it's an insane amount. And for comparison purposes, the Hilton been in business 93 years, 88 different countries with 610,000 rooms. In that time, you know, in the last six years, Airbnb, 192 countries, like I said, 650,000 hosts. So it's crazy. Staggering numbers for such a, a young, you know, company. And, you know, how do you, how do you even begin to kind of oversee something like that? And, you know, it all starts with this sort of put these new policies and procedures in place. And then, you know, try to follow them as best as you can. But yeah, the photo thing was was part of it. I mean, and some people wanted the option to even get rid of the photos. I know that Airbnb likes to have some a community feel, kind of a, almost forming the relationships within the community. So it still like to keep the idea of photos. And to me, it's that's a safety issue as well. I would I would think. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's some comfort of knowing that it's an actual person. Well, I was just thinking if somebody should, well, I guess people aren't always there at their place necessarily, but you know, if some, if you're at the property and someone shows up to rent and it doesn't look like the photo, I would be a concern to me, but that's, I don't know. And also Airbnb has required its host to sign a new community commitment, which of course includes a newly revamped discrimination policy, which I think they had before. And it's, and it'd be interesting to see what happens if a host blatantly breaches this policy? What is Airbnb going to do about it? Are they just going to terminate their right to host or are they going to actually file a lawsuit to actually some kind of affirmative action? That would be interesting to see and really see how that turns out. Yeah. The, so to me, looking through this, we can, we'll post a link and people can read the full report. But the, the biggest things I think are going to help them take a step in changing this is this feature, and I believe they're trying to get over a million people, or maybe they already have gotten a million people to do it, and it's this instant booking. Oh, yeah. So there's not even the process of the opportunity to 
you know, have somebody request and you deny it if you see that the person is a certain race you don't like. This is this is an instant booking that you know you don't go back on. Oh, sorry. The goal is to make one million listings bookable via instant book January 2017. So in the very near future. So I think that'll definitely help. Oh, yeah, and, and that would in theory solve that issue because, and I think in the past, and you you touched it on the beginning is that the right now. You know, you 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 basically request a booking, and the other party has to accept it. But I think because of the the lack of cooperation between host and the technology, the instant booking hasn't been available, and and finding a way to get host to actually stick to it. Because as you know, if you're hosting a hosting a, you put a your property or your room on Airbnb, you don't know when it's going to be available, and so you just make it available all the time, and things come up, and being able to greet the person when they come and all that. And there's some logistical issues. It's not like you're literally running a hotel. So the instant booking, if they're able to do that, you know, it'd be a, a huge, huge help with that. Yeah. And another thing too, and it, I think they've gone about it the right way here and kind of tr- trying to shoulder as much responsibility as possible without any sort of admissions of, or f- future admissions of guilt and kind of this open door philosophy they having and if a guest isn't able to book a listing because they've been discriminated against, Airbnb will ensure the guest finds a place to stay. Now, obviously, that's vague, but it does seem like they're trying to take some of the blame for what happened and put the guest in the best spot as possible in order to, to get a spot to stay. I think that's the right way to go about it. Yeah, and you know, I bet you, you, you know how we covered, in fact, in our last episode, we talked about how Amazon sellers felt that they were being kind of pushed over because they would lose their seller's account. And the reason, one of the reasons of many why they would may, may lose their seller's account is because of complaints from customers. Now, I mean, imagine now you have complaints from customers because they feel that like they've been discriminated against because of a certain host. We can easily see, you know, Airbnb host having the same kind of reaction that, hey, I've lost my, because some customer complained, now I can't rent out my room, I've lost thousands of dollars. So it's, it's just interesting that we're covering the other side of the story a little bit. So that's, I mean, that's where Airbnb, and this is very, very new. Some of these things haven't even been rolled out yet. It's part of their their plan that they've put in place. So we'll have to see if it actually works or not. But, you know, that's kind of what Airbnb has done or plans to do. But if, let's say you're a business, I guess if your business has grown, has grown as fast as Airbnb, things are probably doing pretty well. But <laughs> yeah. For, for the ones that haven't, you know, in a situation, I guess it can work both ways. In a situation where it's, you know, someone with your, one of your employees that's discriminating against customers, obviously that's going to be worse. Or you being accused of discrimination, you know, something that might not necessarily be the business's fault. You know, what's the, what's the plan, contingency plan that goes into place to try to, from a PR perspective. And Airbnb is a is a good model to follow. I mean, they they investigated. They keep in mind. I understand some of it may be PR and some of it may be show. And you know, here we're talking about it. You know, giving them good PR. But in reality, the things that they've done. You know, I'm not saying that you need to hire the former head of the ACLU in the DC office. But that type of investigation and really determining, keeping an open mind that, okay, is there a discrimination going on? You know, is my employee even though I don't believe he, he or she is racist, could there, could there be an implication that here, what he or she has done could give rise to, you know, a, a, in the impression that they're discriminating because of race or, or some other protected class? And so 
being able to investigate it openly and then react very fast to those to those issues is going to be very important. Yeah, and so for it, so step one prevention, you know, have the policies in place. You don't want a situation where you're going to have to be reacting to it. There's anti-discrimination policies you can you know, put in employee handbooks, things like that. But so let, let's assume that there was nothing in place or, or it doesn't matter. Let's assume there's something in place that wasn't followed. Who, who knows? So on the reaction side of things, how to go about it. So I think. Yeah. So, for example, like you want to take away discretionary actions sometimes if you don't, if you, you know, if, if, if you can. Like so back in the Airbnb when the host has a choice whether to rent out their room to somebody after they've booked, that gives rise to the possibility. Same way, if you have an employee that has discretion to give discounts here and there and only gives discounts to whites but not blacks, right, then, or set their own prices, then that can be a problem. And taking away that, that, that discretionary decision-making is, is one of many different ways to prevent that. Right, like the bouncer who charged a cover for some people here in Houston and did it for others. Precisely, exactly. And I assume that business is no longer. Oh yeah, I I assume so. I think our podcast itself put it out of business, but we'll have to look. (laughs) I just remember that response wasn't terrific. No, wasn't a thirty-two page report on how it was going to change things. So, but yeah, I mean, taking that's going to be nice, or that's going to be a a key component, uh, removing that the discretionary piece from the employee standpoint. And I think another thing they can do is kind of what Airbnb did this with what they called it, the open door policy. It's, you know, I, I think as a business owner, keeping an open mind about it as well, I think you got to take every complaint seriously or every allegation seriously, look into it, devote the proper amount of time and in, into looking into it. And then obviously if with your discover, you know, with your due diligence, you discover that it's a bigger issue or even a issue, then, you know, you obviously need to take the proper actions at that point to rectify it. And be very careful. We're we're talking about how to react, but be very careful about retaliating against someone that is bringing up this complaint, especially if it's, I mean, obviously it'd be someone internally and retaliation can come in many forms. It could come in the form of you know, besides terminating, you know, not getting, giving them a promotion, not giving or deducting, giving them a demotion or what have you, changing their, even their responsibilities could be termed as a retaliatory act. Mm -hmm. Which is always a tough position to be in. And even if you do things right, you, you hope those issues don't come up. Let me circle back around. I said, we're, we're talking more from the reactionary side, but the policies need to be in place yesterday is, is basically what I'm trying to say. And or, or two days ago. Yeah, or two days ago. Even if it is a situation where you are reacting to it and the, the stuff wasn't in place, th- now's the time. I mean, it's you know better, better late than never, I guess. How many, cli- how many uh, cliches can I put in this <laughs> sentence? But yeah, it's, that's the point is get something in place. You know. I think one, one thing that I've seen before, and, and again, we've already mentioned this, taking it seriously, but... I've seen people and we've seen businesses get a complaint because I don't know, they felt that the shop owner was being racist and they'll leave a review and, or what have you. Right. And yeah, it's very likely that there was no racial intent in the action, but just kind of putting it off as if like, no, I wasn't being racist and that's it. And then moving on with your life is probably not the best, best way to handle it. And 
this is just kind of common sense as far as, as far as you know the customer always being right and kind of be over the top because not only will it cost you money just in defending the legal issues, the PR alone, and we've seen many times we've covered it on this on the show it's ourselves. The PR alone, the backlash that can occur with any of these businesses that are accused of these things can be can be a killer. And it, and it has killed businesses over and over again. You took the words out of my mouth. The, the customer's always right. I mean, if you're a business owner and you haven't realized that sometimes you have to do things to prevent that PR nightmare, then uh, I guess I'm surprised your business has lasted that long. Or, or you just offer such an exquisite service or product that you could just do whatever you want and you're still going to make money. I guess there's probably instances of that as well. Like if you're a drug dealer. <laughs> well, no, I, I think it's more if, if you're a mono- if you're a monopoly, then that's, you're probably fine. So, but there's, there's very few of those. I was trying to think, is it, is it, is it illegal for a drug dealer to discriminate? I think, I think it's actually illegal. What do you think? Public accommodation? Uh, taking out the public accommodation part, I think you're doing an illegal business and you're acting illegally, cancel each other out, net or <laughs> net legal. Very good. All right. I think that's our show. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Yep. Keep it sound. Keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.